right, guys, I'm going to introduce you to Higher Calling Adventures. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jim Huntsman, the host of the Western Huntsman Podcast, coming at you from the Broken Time studio right here in, uh, oh, I almost said Hayden, fellas. I moved to Clark Fork. <laughs> I almost misspoke there. <laughs> so coming at you from Clark Fork, Idaho, I've got uh, three super cool dudes on the line right now. And what we did is we figured out how to do like this three-way call. So we're all on our own phones. Are you guys together or um, are, are you guys separate or what are you guys doing? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I'll answer that. So we decided, having done like uh, group interviews in the past, that it's best if we're all together and we can kind of, um, you know, give ourselves a nod on who's going to answer that question or how. So you're not talking over each other. And yeah. Yeah. So Greg, Greg and Cheyenne said, hey, let's go to Kevin's house. I'm kind of in the middle between everyone. And uh, I'm in the emergency service uh, business and I was on call and I didn't really could be big of a deal because I can usually work around things well. I got uh, a call for, from a really big referral partner. So I'm actually not at my house right now, and they are. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is kind of funny. Uh, yeah, so the plan was to be all together, and that's just the way it is, two and one all the time. So, so are you, like, driving back home <laughs> or something? Or are you... I am driving back home, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um so Higher Calling Adventures um, is somebody that I've I've kind of been following on social media. We met a few years back at, a, at an elk seminar, and, and many of you may remember Kevin Bunce from uh, the episode that we dubbed Dreams of September from about a month ago or so. Uh, he was one of our one of our uh, guests on that. Uh, uh, got a really nice elk this last this last September. So, um, and then also on the line and uh, as part of Higher Calling Adventures, we have Cheyenne Mick Elderberry. Did I pronounce that right, Cheyenne? It's actually Mick Elderry. It's a D. So. Oh, I said Berry. I'm sorry, man. Man, I owe you a T-shirt. <laughs> That's all right. Now. Happen. Mick it Elder- happens all the time. <laughs> Mick Elderry. Mick Elderry. Yep. And then we also have Greg Wiggins. Did I pronounce that one right, Greg? You got it, Jim. Sweet. All right, we're all uh, we're all in good shape. Uh, I want to kind of find out, Kevin. I know you live in the Post Falls, Idaho area. Cheyenne, where are you at? I'm uh, just south of uh, Post Falls in Plummer, Idaho. Oh, down in Plummer. Oh, cool. Yep. 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 I was just through there uh, yesterday. And Greg, how about you, man? Yeah. Hey, I'm up, uh, I'm the outcast. So I'm up in, uh, Kettle Falls, Washington area. Oh, nice. For a Vista. Uh, yeah. I manage a plant for a Vista up that way. Oh, cool. Well, that's not a horrible place to be. It's, you know, it's not too bad. We're, we're in a pretty good spot up there. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, there's some big old muley 
bucks up there. I don't know. Uh, it was weird. They had a weird uh, Washington when I hunted over there. Had some weird restrictions on hunting mule deer over there, but uh, I saw a bunch of huge ones. Are there still yeah. a bunch of big muleys up there? Yeah, we're we got we got some nice mule deer hunting um, and white tail and a little bit of the elk seasons are a little different over there, but you know yeah. it's it's all right. It's all right. I, I get a I'm pretty blessed. I get to hunt Washington and I come over and hunt with partners over here in Idaho and you know hunt a hunt a, another state down south and you know it's it's pretty cool. So you guys are pretty spread out, actually. Um, man, Kettle Falls to Plummer, that's like a two-and-a-half-hour drive, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a long ways. For Greg, anyway. <laughs> yeah. For, I like I like your philosophy, Kevin. You just you be the, the mediating point there, and everybody just meet there. Yeah, we You're, call my house Midway. Midway. Yeah, Midway. I like it. I like it. So who wants to tell us? I, I want somebody to explain what Higher Calling Adventures is. And uh, kind of give us the gist of, of what's behind it and what what's uh, what the driver is there, and and we'll kind of take it from there. Yes, I anyone like this one? Yeah, I'll go ahead and take this one. Uh, Greg and I have been hunting together since '99, uh, so we've been 20 plus years hunting together, and uh, we've had a lot of experiences, learned a lot of things, and I think together we've probably taken almost 30 elk in the last 20 years. So. Wow. Um, but we've, uh, always done that. We've had a lot of great experiences out in God's woods and it's just a, it's been awesome. And we thought, well, maybe, maybe we should try to share that experience that we have with other people. And, uh, so a few years ago, um, about four seasons now, uh, I went to talk with Kevin and, and Greg and said, Hey, why don't we, you know, combine forces and do some filming and, and see what happens with it. And we, Really, just want to be sort of a, a light, uh, light for God into to to this world as far as our um, our goals to 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 show God's creation, and you can go out there and you can have a great time, and and uh, and and yeah, it's it's just been a it's been a great experience for us over the last few years, and yeah. our, our heart is just to share share our experiences with one another and and our families and other people. We don't we're not really professional hunters. Um, but we just try to do, do our best out there and let other people know what we're doing too. So. Man, I mean, 30 elk over the last 22 years is like, uh, I want to join and be a part of higher calling adventures. I feel, I felt like it did up my odds a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So they, yet, yet Kevin's numbers in there. I mean, we're, we're sneaking on the 40 elk between three of us. Wow. Over that yeah. timeline. Yeah. That's amazing. And is that is that mainly you guys hunting in Idaho uh, or, or go, going over to Washington? You guys travel out of state at all, other than those two places? Or I I get to hunt uh, Washington, just being the home state, so I hunt that. Not not often though, because I'm I just spend my time in Idaho. I used to live in Idaho. That's how Cheyenne and I met, and then uh, so I, I I do bounce over there when I can. And it wasn't until actually last year I finally got my first first elk over there my first bull and i actually got it off my property that i that i have and was able to able to have a short pack out with the tractor it was epic <laughs> oh that was on that video i watched that video is, yeah. that, is that where that dude we have the same tractor i love it oh that's awesome yeah yeah i was pretty excited when i saw that so um that's the way to do it man the old john deere will take care of it in a, in a hurry it's a lot better than putting it on your back Absolutely. When I was doing that, I was like, this is so cool. I got a deer packing an elk. It is so cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I love it. Um, and can you guys talk about 
the obviously the name and what what you were talking about was you know in the the spirituality side of it um what does god have to do with with your platform higher calling adventures kind of tell us how that's connected and and uh what 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 the driver is with that does that make sense yeah I just, for us i mean man everything we do in life has to do with god and and, and family i mean mm-hmm. i mean he's my reason for existence i'm, I'm a pastor and plumber um that's my that's my profession so um, I just actually did a, uh, I do a series every October, Lessons from the Elk Woods, just different things God has showed us through um, through our hunting season in September. And uh, we just share, uh, Higher Calling came about that uh, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a verse that, you know, live a life worthy of the calling from Philippians 4. And we just want to live a life that, that honors God and, and our families and Mm-hmm. Um, give a give her an opportunity to share, share uh, the importance of Christ in our lives with other people, um, and so you know every we pray before we we do our our, our hunts in the morning. Uh, we do devotions together in the morning, um, and so Christ really is a focus of all we do is just in life, and so it really really isn't about uh, hunting for us as much as Christ. And then we do hunting also. Sure. And so Christ is the center. And, uh, and so we just bring that, bring that about in all that we, we try to do. We try to reflect um, a lifestyle that he would, that would honor God in all that we do. Like this last season, uh, we had an interesting experience where um, we met some, some younger guys. We were in a place where we uh, divvied out. And it's, it's, it's down a long ways from the top. And uh we were doing some calling as we were hiking in and uh, we called two younger guys down um, from the top and it's a long ways. And they made, they made it a long ways. We chased, chased our bugle, um, met with them and, and we're like, Oh man, you guys are pretty awesome to chase a bugle all the way down here. I and mean, we're camping down here. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. and so it was, it was a great, we thought, we thought we shared a great experience. And after a couple of days, Kevin had to go out um, early because he had some dental surgery that needed to be done. And they got back up to the truck and they had uh, let the air out of our tires um, because they were mad that we were in their hunting spot. Are you serious? Uh, yeah. So, so Kevin got up there and he, they pulled the, the, the valve seat for the valve stem out and each one of our tires. At least they left us three good tires and I had to change my tire. Kevin had to pull a valve stem out of his motorcycle and put it in and uh, and air it up and uh so they were they were quite bitter that we were down in their hunting spot and we were we were just talking about it afterwards and we just wanted to instead of returning evil for evil we decided well we should just return uh good instead of evil and so we actually tried to uh they were at one time camped up top um we got we got them a gift card and some gatorade and we're gonna leave it for them and they had actually moved their camp before we got to them but uh so in that, you know, some people would be ticked off. We actually some know some people who were camped on top. They were pretty mad uh, at the guys that did that to us. And we were like, nah, you know, they, they have something in their heart that, that needs to be fixed to be, to have that kind of bitterness. And so for yeah. us, we just try to try to be kind instead. And so that's what Christ does for us. And that, that's why, you know, we, we just try to live differently. We try to hunt differently. We try to do everything differently 
as long as it's it's for the glory of God. And that's what really higher calling is all about. It's for the glory of God. So. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I I wish more people had that kind of attitude in 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 terms of you know I I always I I'm always interested when we're when we're talking about God and bringing God into into our daily lives and and, and things that uh, you know whether whether you're somebody that is follows that lifestyle or not um there's something to be said for the way that you reacted to that and and your your beliefs and um you know i think i think we'd we'd get along pretty well on on those terms but i i guess what i'm trying to say i'm i I get long-winded sometimes because i have like four different directions i want to take this (laughs) but um (laughs) what uh, if more hunters had that attitude um because and i talked about this on an episode the other day where you know we have this thing uh, people ask me all the time and I ask a lot of different people what is the biggest threat to hunters and the and the most common ant answer that I get is not anti hunters it's not this it's not that it's hunters themselves and and I get mm-hmm. that I I don't necessarily agree with that answer but I I also get the sentiment because it's things like that where where these hunters they go out and and they they feel like you have done them wrong by being in a public land area that they they feel like is is theirs and and, uh, and the response is is to do damage to your vehicles and and that bothers me I mean, I mean that really bothers me. Um, uh, it did bother us too, and I'm, not to say that we were just like, hey, yeah, this, that was awesome. This is we, awesome. We, we, Appreciate we, that. We were, we were quite we were quite bothered, and it actually took us, you know, sitting down together and, and talking about the situation and keeping each other accountable. It's like, hey, you know, we can't get bitter in this. And, you know, you know, our flesh, the part of us wanted to just go and, you know, cut a hole in their tent and flip it down the hill, you know, <laughs> but, but we know that wasn't the right attitude, right? That wasn't the right place to go. And it took us actually just talking with each other. It's like, well, you know what, we need to take a step back and not let our frustrations take the better of us. And, and, and do something different instead. So, and so, you guys so our like, natural reaction wasn't that. So. Uh, I, no, I, and I, I totally get that. Um, and so you gave them like Gatorade bottles and stuff, huh? Yeah, our, our intent, we could never, well, we ended up running into the, the guy where he works. And so, oh. um, so we're not going to say where that's at or anything. Wait and, a minute. Uh, does, and then does, the he, next time, does he own a tire store? <laughs> Hey, let's just go on to the next. <laughs> he may or may not be working at a tire place. Let's just leave it at that. So, <laughs> so, and so we did. We did find who it was uh, later, and then the next time we went in, we were actually going to give it, just talk to him about it, and then uh, he didn't come out when we were uh, filling up and, and getting the propane and stuff like that. So, oh, um, gotcha. but you just. You, do what you can do and, and, and love people and love God. I think that's, that's what we try to do. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, it's a great message. It's, it's a, it's an important message and, and a message. I feel like, you know, we can have an entire podcast discussion um, talking about the lack of that within, you know, today's society and, and, and how that's working out for us. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that. But um, so I want to, we, I want to get to a few things. I want to, we we covered that. I want to talk about you guys this uh, this last season, and I want to talk about your full draw film tour stuff coming up. Um, why don't you walk us through? I so we got we got a really good story of Kevin's season. Where does that leave Greg, and where does that leave Cheyenne in terms of? Um, I, I know we're we've, we're still in the middle of season in terms of deer and everything else, but elk season specifically September. 
You guys mentioned before we started recording that uh, you're not much for rifle hunting. Uh, so that leads no. me to believe that you guys uh, have a thing for September. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is the best time to be in the woods. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no better time that that close encounter and and the bugle fest that that takes place. It's 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 the best. And uh, yeah, this this year turned out just we had we had so much fun as as a team out there. Uh, just enjoying each other and, and spending time out there and a lot of great encounters with some nice bulls and, and herd bulls and close ones and past some little ones along the way. And, and uh, you know, Cheyenne it was able to punch his tag on the second to the last day. And it was, it was pretty cool. In the midst of that, we, we, we recorded our biggest bull we've ever seen and in, in the middle of that and we focused on that in the middle of the season and tried to hunt that one bull and chase that one bugle and and he won right yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. We, we we focused in on that and just hunted hard for that one bull after we saw him it was like wow that's an amazing bull that's the one we want and and we've never really done that where you hunt day after day after day on that one bull and we we kept having encounters and we got on film with him again and just couldn't close the deal we we stepped on a i had an encounter with him and i ended up stepping on one of those cow mines where you're getting close and then you look up and there's a cow and it's like boom and it just blows up <laughs> <It> so, busted, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Cheyenne, we, we got it done. We, we got done with hunting this old, this big bull. We called him Roy. He was just a toad. And we got, we got to a point with this hunting Roy. We were just done and said, you know, we need a buggy day. We need that. We're not going to kill a bull unless we can get it from the, <laughs> from the road type attitude. And <laughs> we were just, we were just bombing around in the buggy, just lighting bugles off, you know, just hitting those drainages and lighting something off. And we got something to pop and, and Cheyenne, Cheyenne got her done. So, uh, you guys, you guys were basically kind of stopping along the road, and letting out a bugle, and seeing what's out there. Absolutely. I, you guys, at one point, I, I don't know who it was, but somebody posted something that um, you have this this road that you're on, and there's always this point in the road where you guys stop <laughs> and bugle. And one time, it actually panned out, and and you called in a bull and got him. Who was that? Yeah, that was uh, about Kevin's flat tire. <laughs> yeah, flat tire bull. That was uh, so we have this one spot that we hunt, and it's it's pretty rough road, and it's about oh ten or eleven miles or something like that up to, up to where we where we like to hunt. And uh, Shannon and I decided we were going to take my side by side up, and it was our legs were pretty tired. so we were just going to go up and do a little bit of hunting and and bugling down in some drainages and see. And if we got something, actually, Cheyenne said, unless they're like 300 yards off the road, I'm not getting out, right? And we mm-hmm. were just, we were beat. We had been backpacked in, and we were just done. We were just, our legs just needed recovery. And uh, <laughs> so as as uh, fate would have it, or divine interaction intervention would have it, uh, we got about seven miles up there, and I hit a rock, a pretty big rock in the middle of the road, got a really serious flat tire like a big huge hole in my tire and uh so i'm like it's okay i got plugs and i got this like compressed air let's fill it up and let's keep hunting uh we filled up the holes and all the anyways long story short we had to hike back to town and get different stuff to fix that tire seven miles back to town we ended up picking up a rig 
and then drove back up there, fixed the tire, and we continued to hunt. But before we left there, Cheyenne went over and said, hey, I'm going to bugle off down in this drainage. Might as well. We ain't doing nothing else but walking out of here. And he bugles down in this drainage, and this bull answers back. And I wanted to go chase him. But we were kind of in a debate of, of, uh, of whether it was on public or private and whether we could get down and around this private that was down in this little basin where this bull was. And so we started stopping at this corner. Every single time we go up there, the dark didn't matter. The afternoon, we don't, and we got an answer quite a bit. And Greg and I have hunted down there a couple times, chased after bulls down there, literally because we stopped and bugled when we had a flat tire. So fast forward a couple of years, um, Shane and I were were hunting on top, and we were on our way out. We we're actually coming back into town to meet up with Greg. Greg uh-huh. was in town for a couple of days working, and. uh like, hey, we got to stop at Flat Tire Corner. That's what we called it because that's what happened there. So uh, we got to stop at Flat Tire Corner and bugle. We can't we can't just drive by it. And so uh, and we have a lot of spots like that. So a lot of spots where we always stop and bugle because bulls usually answer and then that means the hunt's on. And you know, so yeah, we stopped and we bugled. And um, I don't have the greatest ears. I'll tell you, I'm really really deaf. And uh, so I'm pointing this way, and Shane's like, no, it's back here. And I'm like, no, it's down here. And the bull ended up being behind us about four or 500 yards up on the, on the ridge behind us. And uh, of course the thermals, it was afternoon thermals were rolling straight up at him. And so we, we put a game plan together. We looped around hour and a half later, that bull is on the ground. Wow. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I thought I was one of the only people that did that. I, I, I have my spots. I have like, I don't know, probably eight or nine spots where I do not pass it in September without stopping and bugling. And I've never, it's never materialized for me though. Uh, you know, I'll get, I'll get responses and, uh, just something, you know, I blow the setup, whatever, whatever. But I'm super curious with, with the three of you, Kevin, I remember you, you kind of described this and, and kind of how you guys approach, uh, s- different scenarios in the woods with three people. Um, and, and you're talking to a guy who is like 90% of the time I'm solo, right? And if, if I'm not solo, I'm with one other person. I, I, I don't really, I've never, I don't know that I've ever in September gone out with more than just one other person uh, to, to try to call in an elk. So I'm curious how you guys determine, like, uh, and this would help a lot of hunters that, that listen, that maybe hunt in groups of three, but how do you guys organize it? Like, I'm shooter today, uh, this guy's going to do the calling, um, Cheyenne, there's a rumor that you are a top-notch caller. Uh, that that I remember from our discussion with Kevin, and um, so walk me through that. How do you guys work that out? I, I'm passionate about calling. I don't know about a top notch <laughs> caller, but I, I I I choose if I can. I'll say I'm all time caller. And so I just I, I actually sometimes would rather shoot an elk or I call in an elk than shoot an elk. I, a couple of years yeah. ago, I called in five different bulls that were shot, and. Uh, so that was a goal for me. It's like, man, I want to call in all these bulls this year to get shot. And so that was that was one of my goals. And it was like, I, I just love to call. And that the hard part is everybody else in the in the group loves to call too. So <laughs> so we're usually fighting over who gets to be caller. See, that's why <laughs> that's why I'm a solo hunter, man. I like I like to be the caller. And yeah. sure. <laughs> it it was such a neat opening day for us because. Uh, Cheyenne and I, we've, we've been able to take some, uh, her, her bulls and, and we're trying to get Kevin in the club, right? That was a big thing. Want to get Kevin in the club. So mm-hmm. 
um, you know, we hadn't talked about who was, who was shooter on opening day, but Kevin was, Kevin was off getting his gear and it's like, he comes walking over and go, Hey, Cheyenne and I, we did rock, paper, scissors. You weren't here. So I threw ghost runner in for you and Cheyenne and I lost. So you're, you're honored today. And he's like, what, wait, what again? You know, we just want to get him that opportunity. And, and it was so cool to be cameraman. And that's the dynamic of the three piece. I mean, cameraman is so cool. I just got to be right over Kevin's shoulder this whole time, following the whole thing, filming everything. And when you're cameraman, there's just no, there's, I mean, the stress is keep it in the viewfinder. But other than that, you're not shooting, you're not yeah. calling, you're just, you you're just yeah, you there. You're part of it. Front mm-hmm. row seat, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it was so cool. And it just came together and it was, it was awesome. And, and then after that, the rotation begins, right? If, if the day is, you know, a bust and we don't get anything, then cameraman comes shooter and shooter comes caller and caller comes cameraman. And we just keep that rotation going around. So we each get a day to do whatever and, and just keep rotating it around. When you guys are out there hunting like that in that scenario, regardless who's, you know, caller versus shooter versus cameraman, um, I've, I've found that there's there's certain people that you can hunt with that – uh, it's not that it's not fun or it can't work, but there's another person that you might hunt with that you just for some reason have this intuitive uh, connection that like nothing needs to be said when a bull bugles. You just know that each each person knows exactly what to do. Is that how does how's the dynamic in your group? Is it you guys just kind of have a sense of what each other strengths and weaknesses and knows what each person's responsibility is and there's not a lot of communication going on or or uh is it uh how walk me through that walk me through that when greg and i since we were hunting for 20 some years together it's it, it was it's pretty natural for him and i and when we brought kevin on it sort of added another dynamic and so um and so kevin was in uh this learning curve of not, not that he couldn't call in elk or hasn't called in and killed bulls. And it was just like learning each other's style. Um, we, we, we do this thing when we don't want to call, we don't want to go chase after a bull down at the, the bottom of this canyon. Um, we call it suck a bull. And we, I use a, I get my <laughs> cow call out. I have a certain cow call. I just, and I just wail on it and try to get him to response. And, and there's a certain tones and stuff that I use. Well, we've had times where, you know, I do that and Greg knows that, but Kevin didn't know that when Kevin became caller that one day we're all Kevin, and I, Greg and I are like, what is he doing? You know, but it was just, it was just a learning curve because Kevin and uh, our Greg and I have always hunted together. Yeah. And so I think Kevin, Kevin had a little bit more learning curve and now we're, uh, we do a lot of talking and discussing. And one of the things we learned is that the, uh, the, the shooter drives the hunt. So he decides where to go, what to do, when to call. Um, but the caller is always the caller so that we don't have the hunter, you know, bugling, get a ball response, get all excited and then change callers, change tones, change style. Yeah. Um, and, and so that, so we, the person that's the caller is the caller all day long with cow calls, with bugles, everything. But the, the shooter always drives the hunt. Hey, I want you to bugle. Hey, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And then the camera guy just sits there and films it all. So um, but it, there was a learning curve, I think, when we first started, and now we're we're getting to know each other's style um, and when to like the the bowl I shot this year. Um, I was caller, Greg was shooter, 
and I, I've shot several bulls um, being being caller. I think Greg gets tired of me shooting the bulls that I'm calling in for him. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I uh, we were we were we got this bull responding, and and I was actually right along the road on this brush thicket calling and bugling. And he was a, probably about 80 yards over on a finger. And Greg was sneaking around, sneaking around, and we're just bugling, bugling back and forth and challenging him. And I'd, I'd stomp him, and I'd pretend like I had a cow that I had circled off of him. And so I had a cow that was calling to the bull, but I would stomp the bull and say, no, this is my cow. And so it's just this whole mental thing that I'm player playing in my mind as this bull is bugling and raking and cows are mewing and and the, I'm just challenging him. I got your cow. What are you going to do about it? <clears throat> and then uh, Greg stepped on a cow mine again. And uh, <laughs> but I I didn't know that at this point in time Greg is down in the brush, probably about 60 yards. And all of a sudden I hear the elk move away over the over the finger. And so I just like as fast as I could down over the finger and got up on top and and bugled. And he was down a couple hundred yards and I had no clue where Greg was. I heard, thought I heard some cow calling down where he was at. And there's like, it was sort of like a busted up thing. I thought the elk was going to go out. And so I just, I decided there was an old, there's a motorcycle trail. And I just ran down as hard as I could a hundred yards, one direction and followed another trail another 50 yards as hard as I could. And looked down and there was a cow standing there at 40 yards. And then she moved off another cow standing and she moved off and then, I could start seeing that bull start coming across. And so I reached down, flipped onto my air, uh, my bow, and I could see at the corner of my eyes these big old antlers. And I knew it was the herd bull. And I cow called before I looked up. I cow called, and he was standing porting away at 40 yards. And I drilled him right behind the shoulder. Ah, sweet. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so it was it was a great experience. But it's just it was just one of those things that we know that in those moments, right, if something happens this way, it's busted up. We just do what's natural, and uh, and we understand. You know, sometimes Kevin busts out and does something, and some it was just just whatever needs to be done, and we just go with the flow. So, do do you guys ever get like any kind of friction between the three of you, where it's like, man, he wants to do this, but I think we should do that, and if so, how do you work that out when you're when you're hunting in a group of three? That's a great question, and a lot of times the way we work that out is um, just understanding that that each caller and each hunter has a little bit different. While we, we are very similar, everyone's a little bit less aggressive or more aggressive than the other guy. And just understanding that the hunter drives the hunt and his style is his style and the caller just falls along with that. And his style is his style. And once you understand that and respect that, um, the conflicts generally um, aren't, aren't there. And what happens is after the after the hunt, whether it's success or failure or we got to regroup and move forward, then we usually talk about, you know, just like, a you know, any team would talk about what what happened well and what didn't happen well and how we want to do something different. And that's that's kind of how we go about it. And maybe Greg or Cheyenne might want to chime in, too. Yeah, you guys, you got anything to add to that? Well, I, I don't think we started off that way very well. I think our first year there was some tension, definitely. You know, yeah. trying to learn styles and and you know, what is he doing? Why is he doing that? And, and then uh, going back on some of the stuff we recorded is like, man, I was a jerk. You know, I shouldn't have said that. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and looking looking back on on uh, some of those things that 
that happen when you first start. And then, then we, we learn and say, okay, this is what's really needs to happen. I think we, we did a year where the, we did sort of a slingshot hunting where the, the hunter would call, get the bull going. And then the caller would take over after that. And we realized that this, that's just not working. Sure. So the caller has to be caller. So we, but there is a growing process. We didn't, we didn't start off, you know, gelling perfectly at first and, but that that's that's growing and and now the more we hunt together the less we have to think about it we just do so yeah it's it's always it's always a question greg i'm sorry did i cut you off there buddy yeah it's okay i'll i'll jump in here in a minute no go go ahead go ahead okay yeah uh for me it was it was interesting cuz Cheyenne and i 20 years of hunting together and it it was just we just grew up doing it right and and we had our failures and successes all along the way and but the days that you know i i, I would run back to work for something a lot of times it got to where he was kind of syncing up with kevin a little bit so they had kind of started hunting on on off days and i'd get back and we'd and i'd be synced back up doing stuff so when we came together as a team it was kind of like i never hunted with kevin and it clicked for me really easy and i just had so much fun and and we kind of joked around about not having our you know not being supervised or chaperone with cheyenne and if it was just kevin and i out we found ourselves so far in and so deep and uh, uh, we would be getting back to camp at two in the morning stuff like oh man we need a supervisor we can't keep doing this you know we just kill ourselves just go 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 yeah yeah and it was so fun so it was amazing how God worked just in that, the friendship and the relationship and how it just all came together super fast to where I feel like I've hunted with Kevin, you know, as long as I've hunted with Cheyenne now. I mean, we've got little spots and pockets that, you know, Kevin and I just had success on the day Cheyenne's not there and stories. And it just is, it feels like I've hunted with him for a long time. So it, it worked really well. Yeah, that's it, Yeah, hoping hope one of those days. Go ahead. Yeah, so hoping one of those days he'd share that spot with me. They still haven't shared all their spots with me. <laughs> uh, well, maybe maybe you're not paying the right kind of money. <laughs> now, I always like hearing that because it does sound like you guys mesh really well uh, hunting together. It was it was interesting. It wasn't this last September. It was the September before. I'm up. Um, like you guys were saying, uh, there were some younger guys up there, and I ended up calling them in. A uh, little bit, and I, I actually, I didn't want to get due to the, the, the nature of the time of day and time of year and everything else. I didn't want to get into a big conversation, so, um, I, I just got out of there before they saw me and, and tried to kind of roll back up the drainage a little bit, and, and reset the stage because I, I actually knew there was a bull in there, and, um, I, I whistled a little, a, a little tune at him with my, uh, with my cow call, to let him know that that it was a hunter in there. <laughs> hoping that they just kind of, you know, turn around and go back. Well, what happened, there was like three of them and they got all, they, they all got like super pissed at each other and I could hear them. I, I don't know what they were saying exactly. Other than I heard one guy yelling at the other dude that I'm not hunting with you guys ever again. And the other one's just, oh, wow. he's cooing and yelling and, and they're like kind of stomping out, pouting, uh, leaving the drainage, um, which was fine with me. Cause that, that bull went silent. I knew he was still in there. Um, and, uh, it, it was just interesting because, you know, I was hunting alone. I don't, I don't have that issue. So I'm always curious how that plays out. Are you 
as excited as I am about hunting season. Man, it's here, finally, and you still have time to save some money on some great gear by the sponsors who make this show possible. So let me tell you a little bit about them. Scree Gear. Scree is extreme mountain gear, and this is my, what, third season using Scree, and if it sucked, I would have changed by now. Guys, Scree is high-performance hunting uh, attire. It is scientifically proven. It's backed by a great company. Uh, I wouldn't recommend these guys if I didn't believe in them wholeheartedly, and they've, they've just, they just keep, uh, just keep them on the show because it's great stuff, guys, without breaking the bank. And that's what I really like about the Scree gear is it's ever bit as good as that super expensive stuff that you can get out there, but you're not going to break the bank getting it and get all geared up for complete layering systems, all terrain, all conditions, gear designed to adapt to the weather. Uh, it's all backed by a lifetime warranty, and if you when you order online at ScreeGear.com, VIP sizing and exchange program will cover you if you order the wrong size. You can send it back for free, and they'll send you the right size. It's a great company, great gear. Check it out at ScreeGear.com, if I can spit that out right. And use promo code THEWESTERNHUNTSMAN for 15% off and free shipping. That is one heck of a deal. Let's roll right into Hoffman Boots. Hoffman Boots, I believe uh, this is like my eighth or ninth season running uh, a pair of Hoffmans. I use the Explorers, and I love the Hoffman Explorers in the 8-inch. Uh, you can also get them in the 6-inch. Depends. That's just kind of a personal preference thing. Hoffman Boots are, again, kind of like Scree, where it, it's a great boot without spending an um, absorbent amount of money, right? So that's why I use the Hoffman boots is because I'm getting everything that I need out of a boot. These are rugged boots. They last a long time. Like I told you, I'm, I'm going on like eight or nine years with these things, and I'm only on my second pair. They will keep you from sliding down the mountain because they've got excellent traction, excellent waterproofing, excellent everything. Go to hoppinboots.com and use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Phelps Game Calls, the oldest sponsor on this here Western Huntsman podcast. I am recording this on the opening day of archery elk season, and I've got all my Phelps stuff laid out, ready to go. I use the Maverick, I use the Renegade, I use the new metal tube, uh, all of it. It's great stuff. It has never let me down. I've been using it for a long time. I was one of the first believers in Phelps Game Calls, and you should be too. Go to PhelpsGameCalls.com. Use promo code HUNTSMAN10 to save you 10% when on your order. And good luck out there. Here we go, September. And last but not least is Tacticam. Tacticam is a unique sponsor on the Western Huntsman podcast. And you can get all the Tacticam products at thewesternhuntsman.com, a portion of which goes to conservation efforts in fighting against the anti-hunting movement. So be sure to go to thewesternhuntsman.com and pick you up some uh, some cameras. You can get the uh, I recommend the uh, getting two cameras if you're going to self-film. Get the 5.0 and get the wide lens. Those two you can basically attach to yourself or if you're in the states that allow it to a weapon and film your entire hunt. They also have cool products like the Spotter LR. They have the Reveal cell cameras, which are way cool. We should have those on the website here shortly. Uh, and go check it out at thewesternhuntsman.com forward slash gear and let me know what you think. Let's get back to the show and here we go. What is your guys' opinion on, um, oh, by the way, I don't know who they were and I don't know if they uh, remain friends or if they are now <laughs> cutting stems off of each other's tires or what they're doing. But, um, <laughs> um, I, I have a, 
I, I guess like when you guys, I want to get your take on if, if you guys have somebody that is calling and, and obviously you guys have a designated caller. That's a person that's calling for the day and, and, and nobody's going to mess with that. But does it, do the bulls pick up on the fact, let's say you have one guy that bugles and he's in a group of friends, they're out hunting. And then the other dude starts bugling and you know, they're kind of running two different tubes and they, they call differently. The tones are different. I mean, you could have the exact same tube and the exact same read in your mouth and sound totally different. I mean, you know what I mean? And so, um, I'm curious if you guys have like, how intuitive are, are the bulls to something like that? Does that make sense? Yeah, we actually deploy something like that. Some those days when you're like, I can't buy a bugle. Like we just can't. We've been hiking and hiking, and we'll hit that time where we're just like, you know what? It's time to break it out. Double bull fester. Let's go. And <laughs> we just know what that is, right? And Cheyenne will drop off on one side of the ridge, and I go over to the other, and he'll play big bull, and and I start playing little bull, and we just bruck us and blast each other and call each other all kind of you know elk names and and then uh, so many times we've got a bull to finally answer to that you know and it just sounds like a bit of a frenzy going on there and we do sound different and and it does sound like two different bulls and something's going on and you finally get that that bull to crack where we've been there single bugling and cow calling and doing our normal routine and he wouldn't wouldn't say anything and as soon as we start that boom we get a we get a bowl to go super interesting greg i'm glad you brought that up because i've i have been curious about that particular strategy and i've never heard anybody talk about it but i've always wondered like if if you've got two people out and and you guys are hunting and you're not getting any responses what if you split up and made it sound like you were two different bulls talking to each other and interestingly I uh, I went out hunting. In fact, it was probably two days after Kevin got his bull. It was that that you know they opened season a week early this this last year, and and so I was um, I went out with my buddy Steve, and and Steve was calling for me, and I was shooter because he'd he'd actually gotten a bull not opening day. It was a day after, uh, and as as he was bugling, we had a bull cracked off on the other side of the the draw in this in this drainage in and he's over there bugling on the other side of the ridge steve's behind me bugling and i almost get run over by this little raghorn bull that was coming in to check it out and um (laughs) from behind me and and i barely caught a glimpse of him steve saw him full on and and about had a heart attack because i wasn't ready to shoot that way and uh he runs off so it 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 always it that begs the question and something that i've always wondered because everybody's probably that that's been in like a, a bugle fest with a big bull you've noticed that sometimes that draws in those satellite bulls right and they, they want to come in and check it out and so i've always wondered about that strategy has that ever worked for you guys having two hunters acting as two different bulls bugling at each other yeah we usually use that as a tactic to to sort of locate and when we, we haven't had a good day and so we're trying to we're just trying to figure out where the elk is located so more of we've a done that thing, yeah yeah um uh, that's probably although we did did it once did, did do it once and greg called in a mountain lion that he shot at with his pistol at 60 yards but uh but uh we we, we do it does work and it's not like it doesn't work all the time but we use it to locate um a bull that will will pipe off and like okay he's on that finger we need to get over there get within 150 yards of him 
and so I don't know if we've ever, Greg, I don't know if you remember calling in something doing a double bowl. I I don't actually getting a response. Definitely, we've had them crack off on the, on the finger, you know, across the drainage, and we've done that multiple times. But a lot of times that's worth it, just right in itself, just having one crack off so you could locate him. Um, yeah, yeah, you hit hmm. a point where you're like, we, we're either yeah. leaving, drop prop, get out of here, and let's go do something else, or something needs to talk, and we just throw it all in the kitchen sink, right? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, interesting. We, we we actually had one. Uh, I think it was last year a bowl. Um, we, we were viewing this drainage. It used used to have like fifteen bowls in that drainage, or probably not fifteen, but at least ten. And wolves moved in and just shut them down. And so we were bugling this place. You always hear a bugle, always hear a bugle, and we got nothing. And so Kevin and I were bugle at the same time. So he we were standing right next to each other, and he started a bugle, and I'd finish it off and do a chuckle. Like uh-huh. this big old long and and it piped off this bowl, and so and we got probably within a hundred yards of that bowl. But it was like he only responded when we both bugled at the same time, right next to each other, and so he wouldn't respond to anything else. <laughs> wow. So it, it so, was a pretty awesome moment because we had been trying to get him. We knew he was there. He had piped off early in the morning, so we went around to where we knew he was, and he would not talk. Would not talk. Would not talk. And then we were about, I mean, we were like, okay, we're either leaving or we're going somewhere else or this pole is going to pipe up. And so right before we went around the corner to head back out of there, we just bugled both at the same time. And he popped just a couple hundred yards away from us. And we, you know, we got within like a hundred yards of that guy. I just didn't quite seal the deal, but it was pretty, it was a pretty awesome moment. Man, that is the best thing about September archery elk hunting is there's like a lot of times there's all these scenarios. There's all these different ways that you can you could run through your mind as to what you think the bulls are going to do. And then they re- react, you know, totally differently or you do something that gets a reaction that there's no explanation for. And the the constant like search for answers to to all these things is what drives me with September elk hunting. <laughs> so yeah. it's a, like, I want to ask everybody kind of individually um and and kevin why don't we start with you when with just i mean we're it's not like this is a school of september episode or anything like that but um i always like i I always like it when i feel like the audience is really going to gain some uh expertise and one of my one of my favorite questions is is what do you think the biggest mistake is that elk callers do when calling elk that's yeah. That's a that's the uh, million dollar question, right? Because everyone wants to know what could I have done differently. Or mm-hmm. um, I think that I think that you know I've called in bulls with a hoochie mama, and I know guys who are horrible callers that call in bulls, and I know that probably with a mistake that most people make is they don't call enough. They they I hear people say you can't call in these bulls here. You when you bugle, they run from you and we funded in other States and we've heard that. And yet we go deploy our strategies and our tactics and it works there too. And so I'm always of the, of the um, notion that most people are too reserved. They don't think they're a good enough caller. So they don't call enough and they don't hit that bull at just the right angle on that finger where he would respond because I do believe that sometimes you're in just the wrong spot and he can't hear you very well, or maybe you can't hear him. 
And so when you bugle and call more often, you're more likely to get a response. And ultimately that response is what drives the action. Once you know a bull's there, you can put boots on the ground and get in close and seal the deal. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I love, I love that answer because, uh, a, it's, it's a very consistent answer with, with what a lot of, a lot of people say. And, um, I, I think that, one of the ways, one of the best ways, best ways I heard that described to me was when when you're calling a bull elk and you're in mountainous terrain, you got to think of this like you know sound travels in waves, right? And so if you think of a pond that when you throw a rock out and those those that little riffle or ripple that kind of you know the 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 ring that goes out and it gets bigger and bigger and it's going and going and going, well what stops that? It's you know some kind of structure whether it's the beach or a rock or some stump sticking out of the water or something, it's going to deflect that, that little teeny wave from the, from the stone being thrown. And I, I feel like it's the same when you're calling elk, there's a lot of little variances within the terrain of a mountain that can deflect that sound. And that's why a lot of times you'll hear stories of people that are lost and uh, they're, they're in the woods, they're on a mountain and, and these uh, search and rescue folks are out there and they're calling their name, but they don't hear them even though they're within, you know, 20 yards sometimes of these people. And it's because of the way the sound travels. Uh, so that's just a, yeah, totally, totally agree. Uh, I kind of went off on a, on a tangent there, but totally agree with the sentiment, Kevin, that uh, I think a lot of people don't call enough because, and for the exact reason you said, is they feel like they're not uh, good enough callers or they're not confident enough. And, and I think it affects them negatively. Um, Greg, what about you, man? What's, actually, what's, oh, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, actually, we had a, that experience this year where we heard a bull like way off. And so we piled off down this ridge on this finger, got to this point and we were, we were on this point and I was on one side of it. Kevin was in the middle of it. And Greg was on this weird. Greg was probably only 40 yards from me. Kevin was 20 yards from me. I let off this bugle and this bull bugle straight across from me about 150 yards away. It was loud. <laughs> and I look over at them and I'm like, there he is. And they're, and they're looking at me like, we didn't hear anything. And oh, really? they did not hear that bugle. It was, and they it were was 20 the yards. I was like, he, he's right there. How can you not hear that? And it was loud to me. And, and is they, it- both, they both could not hear it. Yeah, that that's happened to me before too. I've been hunting with people and they'll get all excited because I'm like I'm like you, Kevin. I, I I'm hard of hearing and uh, I notice when I go hunting with other people that have better hearing than me, they hear a lot more. But it's it's that's not always just because of of whatever hearing level. It's it's exactly what you said. It's just that that sound deflection and what's in the way. So yeah, good stuff, man. Um, Greg, what about you, man? What what's what do you think people mess up the most when they're trying to call elk? You know, I think, I think for me is it's getting in the rut, right? You had success that one time going down that one finger and you got to there and, and, and something worked and you had an encounter and you keep running that same playbook instead of, man, you drop off, you know, the ridge top, get down, you know, hundred yards, 200 yards. Sometimes those things look like the bottom is so far down there. Mm-hmm. And I remember first starting off. And Cheyenne, I'd be like, dude, we're not going down there. That is so far down. That is so far down there. No way. <laughs> and then as we got more season and, and you would, you know, you break the rut. It's like get off the top, go down and see what's down there and take a different approach and just check that out. And so many places that we thought was scary is like, dude, why didn't we come here a long time ago? This is where they yeah, were living. Totally. Right. 
And just so for me, I think to pass anything on is that, you know, don't don't keep grinding the same playbook every time, either the approach or the call. Sometimes that that call is not the call that's going to light that bowl up. Sometimes grab a different read call, try a different tone, change your bugle, you know, try a just throw a chuckle out there, see what happens, squeal like a little bowl and. And just get out of the rut. Don't do that same pattern every single time because it just takes that one little thing to be different. We've we've had bulls respond zero calls, no calls at all, but we were just walking across crunchy limbs, snap, pop, poof, and we've been calling forever trying to get something light off, nothing, and then we <laughs> hit a bunch of limbs, and and that was what did it. Yep, and yep, so, been there. Yeah, try try it all. We've we've you know you splash the wallow, you you, you get different noises and sounds going. And, Use everything that you got in your quiver there for for making it sound different and just get out of the rut. Yeah, that's yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice, Greg. Um, yeah, I, I can't I can't agree more with that too. That the rut of what what Greg is talking about is not the elk rut. It, yeah, it is the rut, rut right? <laughs> your own the rut in your mind that makes you think. Like I I know I know a dude that saw this bowl. Uh, in this, you know, on the, on like, it was like the, the North slope of this one drainage that, uh, I, you know, obviously I'm not going to say the area. He saw a big old bull there one time. It was a big bull. And he goes and hunts there every single day of every single season, as if that bull is still going to be there almost 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've tried to explain me and you gotta, you gotta get out of there. Uh, but, uh, cause he never, he never tags out. And, and so that's, that's a perfect example of um you know getting stuck in a rut and 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 kind of getting in your own mind letting it damage your your odds so uh cheyenne the the collar of collars what is, <laughs> collar of collars wow, that's what, a lot of pressure that is a lot of pressure that's why i saved you for last man no. <laughs> it's the biggest mistake I, I think, people make I think with for, calling. I think the along the same lines of Greg is that you get in a rut of your calling, and I, and I, the last couple of years especially, I I think you should always be a learner, right? You should, you should be learning from like a Corey Jacobson and a Paul Modell, and I, this last year especially, we uh, Greg and I were talking. I mean, we just got to change things. We, we gotta we gotta learn. So, so we uh I listened to I don't know how many podcasts of Paul Modell, uh-huh. the opener. Yep, yep. <laughs> and because uh, I think. As many years as I've been out in the woods, I, I still don't know it all. I, I, I still, I'm still learning. And and we we decided this year. I started listening to some of the stuff. I was like, man, let's let's try some of the the sequences he did and the, um, you know, you talking like that this slow play we, kind of thing. Yeah, the slow play. And uh, this year we killed we killed Kevin's bull by doing the advertising. So, you know, I never thought just to sit there and rake and bugle and rake and bugle. And so we did that um, on every. So we went, went on a finger and rake and bugle, rake and bugle, and, and Greg and Kevin would be set up uh, a little ways away, f- away from me. And I don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm making so much noise. I don't know what's going on. Elk are walking in. I, don't, I have no clue. But I'm just bugling for 20 minutes. I just sit there and I bugle and grunt and pant and, and rake and rake and rake. And then we had a first setup. We had a bull walk in. And and we got busted. We didn't we didn't set up quite right. And then the second the second uh, finger, we just sort of side held around to the next finger, and we get lit up some bowls. I just sit there and rake and rake and rake and advertise, advertise. 
<clears throat> and then we went to the next finger, getting closer to the, the bowl on our side, and did the same thing. And then the bowl lit up across canyon from us, and we're like, man, we should go chase that guy. And we dropped down a little ways. I was like, oh, before we drop down, let's, let's call over to him again and just see where he's at to make sure. It's an hour and a half for us to get up over there. Sure. And, and uh, lit off a bugle, and he was already on our side. He, he, had, he had went down the canyon up our side and started coming over to our side where we're advertising on one finger. And so I just flipped over the other side of the finger and just started kept going. I'm just advertising, advertising. When, when Kevin shot, I had no clue that bull was that close. Yeah. And, and, Kevin, and that bull was probably only 30 yards from me. Huh. And I was just, I, all I was doing was raking and bugling and raking and bugling. And so, but I would never have tried that if I didn't listen to Paul Modell stuff. And I was like, dude, let's just try something different. So I, I would say that, uh, just continue to learn. You yeah. Know, I, I like Corey stuff where you, you're, you're really aggressive bugling and Kevin and I like to, to be aggressive. And I, I don't know how many bulls I've called that I've actually sprinted at that I've killed. Um, I think three or four bulls that I, I got tired of playing the game. I just sprinted at them as hard as I could bugling, um, killed yeah. several bulls doing it that way. And, but it, it, it's just, I think you just have to be a learner. Um, there was a couple actually two years ago, Greg, I think he spent all winter long bugling on his way to work. He put a cow uh, and he bugled. Bugle. When he came to see, came to camp that year, I was like, dude, your bugle is awesome. And he just, I mean, he just got a thunderous bugle now, but he practiced <laughs> and he worked at it. Yeah. Yeah. And so don't, don't wait till, you know, September 1st to start practicing your bugling, you know, learn, practice, get better at it. And then it'll translate when you get out of the woods. So. Yeah, for sure. Man, I love that. Yeah. I love that because I I agree, man. I I feel like there's I I feel like it's it's a huge ratio too. Like 85, 90 percent of of elk hunters, uh, they they use calls. They don't touch them, except maybe the week before September, and then after September is done, they don't touch them again all year. You know, um, so especially when you're learning, that that time is so critical. So yeah, great point, man. You, I, you know, Jim, you talk about learning. This is hilarious. I just got to share this. So. Cheyenne and I, when we first started hunting, um, we used the power bugle, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and our first season, right, we're, we're learning this together and learning how to call. I'd never I'd never hunted elk, and so it was my first time out, and I got this tube and trying to learn this thing. And, and that first season, I was able to figure out how to, how to make a grunt and a chuckle, but I couldn't hold the long, you know, the long note at the beginning. I couldn't get it. I just couldn't. But Cheyenne could. And so we were both running the power bugle and he would start the bugle and he would run it up and get the, get to the end. And then I would take it from there and I'd do the chuckle. So we were, we were like <laughs> both of us together combined in our rookie season to make a chuckling bugle. And, and to it. think we started there to where we are today right it's just it's just practice and practice like Cheyenne said but that was just so funny we joke around about that all the time about how we both had to do a part of the bugle to get it done yeah yeah well and that <laughs> that leads to uh kind of another a point like you're talking about where you started and here it is you know what 21 22 years later and um now you guys are killing elk and making videos for the, the, the full draw film tour. Tell us a little bit about that. And how long have you been doing that? How long have you entered uh, a video for, for uh, full draw film, film tour? I can, I can never pronounce that right. <laughs> full, 
full draw film tour. Well, we uh, actually our first our first go at it. We had our first year of filming. I sort of just you know put together a film. We actually had a double bowl year. Actually, Kevin um, Greg was filming. Kevin was shooter. Um, called in a bull. Kevin shot it. And as that was happening, I shot another bull as the caller. And um, so Greg, uh, Kevin shoots his bull. They hear a ruckus behind and they turn around. Greg's filming and a, and a bull elk is running, rolling down the hill, dying right, right close to them within 20 yards because I shot the bull. <laughs> and, uh, and so that was, as so we, I put this story together um, about, you know, actually what makes an epic hunting film. And I put it in for the first year and the first year we weren't accepted. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was like, Oh, you know, that's too bad. And we were, so we went and put it on YouTube and we went to the show and, and uh, we only had a couple hundred views on it. We were, we were just starting and um, probably all of our, all of my family members and Greg's family members watched it. And that's <laughs> about it. And Kevin's too. And, uh, <laughs> and so I was talking to, uh, I was talking to the guy at the full draw film tour. I was like, Hey, I really liked your film. How about you, you, you turn it in next year, revamp it a little bit, turn it in next year. And so that's what we ended up doing is I, I redid some stuff and put it back in and we got accepted that year. And that was actually the COVID year where they did it online. Oh yeah. Um, and then, and then this last, it was actually for me, you know, Greg, Greg and Kevin didn't necessarily want to do the full draw film tour. It was just one of those bucket list thing for me. It's like, man, it's, it'd be cool to get on there. You know, I just like, yeah, let's, let's try it. Let's try it. And then um, we did it and, and it was, it was fun, but you know, not being in the theaters and it was, was sort of a bummer. Yeah, um, and then sure. we had a great story last year, and uh, um, the story about first, um, about uh, Greg's loss of his dad and, and Kevin's loss of his son uh, to suicide. Yeah, um, and we just told that story in our hunting seasons and how it went. Um, we got accepted again, and I think we're we're working on a film this year to to submit again. But uh, it's it's just. You know, we're we're not professional hunters. It's, we don't, we don't, you know, we're not selling a bunch of stuff. We have we have uh, really no uh, nobody that uh, sponsors us. Um, although I do, uh, I do have a guy that helps me out with my bows, um, with, uh, Montana bows, um, Dan and Jared Talkie out of Montana. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> but they 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 help me out uh, with my longbow stuff. Um, but we don't really have sponsors per se. And so we're, we're just we're just enjoying sharing. Sharing Christ, sharing life, sharing hunting stories. I, I, I tell hunting stories very well. I think my church gets tired of all my hunting stories as I preach, but um, <laughs> well, that's oh, really how we, we sort of got into that. film tours. Not in Plummer, Idaho. <laughs> I bet they, I bet they're digging that down in Plummer. Most, most of them do. So I need to hit you up when I come through there, man. I'm, I'm coming through Plummer all the time. Yeah, yeah. Just give me a call. We can do lunch or something. Yeah, yeah be great. We, we can go to the Zips. About the only thing there, isn't there? Well, the, the <laughs> Gateway, the Gateway restaurant, oh, it's, yeah, it's a gateway. lot better. Though. Yeah, I've never, I've never been there. Yeah, yeah, my daughter actually works there, so she's a server. So. Oh, cool. We might even uh, get a discount uh, yeah. then. Well, I don't know, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I usually don't get a discount. So. Well, I want to, I want to <laughs> encourage everybody um, 
that is listening to check out some of the videos you guys have made because um, I, I really like the way you put them together and the messaging in them. Uh, and and the, the one that you guys just kind of put out that I, I think they got accepted the full draw film tour. Again, I'm tripping over my tongue with that one. Um, is it, it was a great video because it, it isn't just, you know, a video of people out in the woods, flinging arrows, killing something, bringing it back. There's a lot of messaging in there. And, and I, I like that. I like when you're, we're telling a story kind of centered on something that we're all passionate about, but there's something unique going on with that. And it, it, it paints a picture and it tells a story and it does all the things that a, a, like a video should do. Um, and so what I, I'm just curious because obviously it's never even been in my mind to, to send something to like full draw film tour kind of thing. I've only been to one when, you know, pre COVID when you can go to the theater, I went to the one in Sandpoint, Idaho a couple of years ago. Um, what, what happens from there? They, they submit or you submit the video. Uh, they, they, uh, they approve it and then it just goes on the circuit with them or whatever, wherever they're playing the videos, they, they play it. Um, what, what happens from your end from there? Is that, is it something like there's, they're trying to compete for the best, best video kind of thing, or, uh, I'm just not super familiar with it. Yeah. So basically what happens is when you want to submit a film, the full draft film tour, you kind of, um, you know, you put your, you put your idea on video and you kind of come up with a a script and a storyline and you put that together and you submit it. And if you're accepted, they'll come back to you. And you have the ability to let them know like the changes that you anticipate, because a lot of times it just takes a lot of, a lot of work and editing and videography stuff to get a really finished product. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they'll kind of correspond with you back and forth on what, um, what your storyline is going to look like if you're going to be overtime, undertime, because they have time, time restraints. And so once you're accepted and that could, that could be, that's like a several month long process. And then once you're accepted, then they start all the promotion of, of their events and the tours. And so, you know, we don't, it's not like we get paid to go on the tour or anything like that. We go as um, spectators, just like everyone else. Um, This year was really special for us. You know, we got to go with family and friends. Um, Greg and I, I think went to three different, uh, theaters and um, it was just really special because the story was so close to our hearts and near yeah. and dear to us and it was such an impact in in our lives like and just knowing how everyone experiences death and that was really kind of the story was talking about what's that look like when you move past that because you don't really get past um, some people dying like it's just like it just becomes the new normal Mm. And just what that looks like. And it was, so the story was really meaningful. And so to go there and watch that with friends on a big screen and to hear the audience um, erupt with cheers when the arrow finds its mark, it's just something that really is just special in that moment. And to be um, the videographer or the hunter behind that is, is kind of an experience that's just um, really, really pretty awesome. That's awesome, man. I I didn't even think about from that perspective, but yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So the video that is approved, that one, have they started for this season yet, or or are they having putting together the dates still for it? So 2022 is the next season. So they just got done with 2021. They finished that in August. 
And so that went from like uh, June, July, and August. There may have been a show in May. I could be wrong. Um, but basically, I think they toured like 50 or 60 cities. They go into these little private theaters and they host the host the event. People come buy tickets and they just get to watch the films revealed live um, yeah. on on the big screen. And so the film that we just released on YouTube was the one that played on the 2021 season. Oh, and is on the, gotcha. Yeah, so that'll be so we don't get to actually release that until they that, release us. That makes sense. It. Now that you say that, I feel dumb asking. <laughs> that ma- that makes yeah, sense. No worries, but man. yeah, no, it's a it's a great event actually, and I I know, um, it, it's just a, it's a cool like way to get get the kids out. In fact, my uh, I had one of my daughters break down in tears at one of them because she didn't win a bow, uh, but they give away, they have a lot of giveaways. <laughs> Uh, but she had her heart set yeah. on on winning this this youth bow or something they were giving away, and when they didn't call her ticket, man, uh, she was pretty. She had a lot of heartburn over that one. So anyway, yeah, they give away, always away uh, a an adult bow and a youth bow at every single venue. Yeah, yeah. And, and you yeah. win a lot of. There's a lot of stuff to win at those. So I, I love. Yeah, the Greg. Greg wins stuff all the time. Greg is always our winner. Yeah. I I never win anything. So. That's, that's, there, there's been one show I didn't win, so, and I cried too. <laughs> Every all the other times I win, I always I would walk away with something. Yeah, that's my wife, man. Every time we go somewhere, I, I'll take her to the you know the RMEF banquet or the Mule Deer banquet or something, and and I don't win anything, and she's winning <laughs> left and right, all this stuff, and she doesn't even care about it. I'm like, how did they draw your? That's my wife too. Yeah. I, I put ten tickets in that jar. You put one, and they pick you. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, that's how it works yeah, my wife's the same way well guys tell us how uh people could find you uh find higher calling adventures i've got uh, i've actually got you pulled up on instagram here let's see if i can get my phone to work there we go um and you're on facebook right yep we're on facebook higher calling adventures on both facebook and instagram and higher calling adventures on youtube as well and are you guys I think uh, rumble rumble too now yeah, we're on Rumble now. Whoa, whoa! I am out of the loop. What is Rumble? Is that a video? Th- is that that video format or uh, platform? Yeah, it's a YouTube um, alternative. Yeah, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Are you guys having any issues with YouTube, like um, pushing back on showing hunting content or anything like that? So we we're not like a monetized channel, and so we won't have any issues with that until until we are. Um, so I know that some of the channels, you know, some of the bigger channels have, you know, hundreds of thousands of subscribers are dealing with the demonetization of animals that are dying on video. Um, mm. And so we're not we're not at that level. Um, and it's not why we're doing it at all. Anyways, um, if if we made money on it, that's great. We would just put it to use to to further our message. And um, and even if it was that we just we just don't care about that. So. Gotcha. Yeah, but they won't. Take, they have not taken any of our videos down or anything crazy like that. I just keep hearing a lot of different things uh, from from you know within the hunting community about what's going on with with some of that and these monetized channels and uh, so so Rumble sounds like it's the the alternative. That's why we're on Rumble. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's, it's smart, man. Well, cool guys. I uh, I had a I really enjoyed this conversation. I'd, I'd like to keep in touch with you guys and um, I'm gonna. Find out who it was that uh, ruined your tires because I'm not as nice as you are. I'm going to get them back for you. Uh, no. 
<laughs> it's bothering me, man. Obviously, you could tell it's bothering me that somebody walked out of there and they were mad enough. Well, so I, I think it bothers me because it happened to me, a similar situation like five years ago. Uh, I took my work truck hunting, and I live in Idaho, but my company is based out of Spokane, Washington. So guess what my plates say? They're Washington plates, right? (laughs) And some Idahoans don't take very kindly to uh, Washingtonians coming over and hunting. And and, and so uh, ever since then, if I take my work truck hunting, which if my boss is listening, doesn't happen anymore. um, But if I do... I have a I have a shell on the back of the you know a, a canopy on the back and I I you know they get all dusty I, I write Idahoan on the back of that so nobody slashes my tire again so that's oh, why geez. it bothers me <laughs> irritating hunters need to get along and and uh, behave a little bit better with each other out there because we we've got enough against us as it is and so uh, that's that's another reason why that story bothers me but um, let me know where he works when we hang up and I'll take care of it for you. <laughs> well, Greg, Greg uh, makes sure he doesn't like to drive his truck anywhere either out in the woods. So he always makes Kevin and I drive because we have the Idaho plates. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Greg? Yeah, that would have been Greg's. They would have burned his truck to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm I, I, I always curious, like in, in Idaho, if I, if I bought like a Subaru Outback and and uh, put all these weird bumper stickers on there out in, like, September. I wonder how it would fare uh, in certain situations. <laughs> I see where you're going with that. <laughs> well, guys, great talk. I, I sure appreciate it. Um, let's, uh, like I said, let's keep in touch. I'd love to know how everything goes for you for the rest of this season and, and next season. And, and uh, maybe... We can get together um, this next summer and, and uh, do another one of those those elk seminars. We'll get uh, I'll call up Michael Batiste. He's uh, he's he come up yeah. from Boise and did it. So, do you guys like that seminar? Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, Michael does a good job. I I, I like Michael. What was that? Yeah. We we, we uh, message back and forth with each other afterwards because he likes to build bugle tubes and so do I. Uh-huh. And so if you see any if you see me on film. I never have a bugle tube that looks like anybody else's because I build them myself. Oh, gotcha. and so and so so him we call it a Frankenstein bugle, and so he does the same thing too. He likes to build different bugles, and so I'm I'm always playing with different things to try to build a bigger, better bugle tube than Greg and Kevin's uh, Phelps tube. So <laughs> have you have you ever have you ever cut the bottom of a water bottle off and bugled into that? I, I use I do that when I travel back and forth down the road. To practice my bugling, ah, gotcha. and so I'll put a, a I'll use a Gatorade bottle or or a water bottle so that I can get some kind of thunder. And so when I practice my bugle and when I truck, I use one of those. But I never did it out in the woods. I I did once, man. I did. I I lost my bugle tube. It fell out of my pack. This was years ago, and and I cut it off. Um, I wish I had some really killer story that I called in a bull and killed it with a water bottle, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't that lucky, but it does work. It surprised me how much. Uh, you know how how much sound I got out of that thing. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. there, there's a guy on a uh, is it September on Facebook? I can't uh, remember his name, but he uh, uh, there are a couple Asian guys that that um, they they he had a longer bugle tube, and on the end of it, um, it was like a power bugle, but at the end of it, he put like a milk carton, and so he's oh, he's running yeah. around the woods and. And they kill some monster bulls. Yeah, I, I mean, know. They, I know who you're talking they're, about. They're out of Missoula. I'm pretty sure yeah. they're out of Missoula. Man, 
man, they can they can kill some yeah. big bulls, and they have that tube with the milk carton thing on the end. It's like, man, whatever you need to do. So <laughs> everybody's got their magic touch, man. I, I don't know what it is. I, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I know. I know. That's funny you say that. I know exactly who you're talking about, and I can't. Their their names are totally evading me, but I, I'm pretty sure they're out of Missoula, and they are killers, man. They're absolute killers. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. Well, fantastic, guys. I'm, I know I'm running a long, little long here, so I apologize, but uh, I sure appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, Higher Calling Adventures, guys. Go check them out on Instagram, Facebook, Higher Calling Adventures. Um, really good content, great videos. I love your YouTube videos. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. I love your message. God bless you. Thanks again for coming on the show, and uh, let's let's keep in touch. All right, John. Awesome. Thank, Thank you very much. much. made it all the way to the end thank you so much for tuning into the show we sure appreciate your support this is jim huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at instagram at the western huntsman and on facebook at the western huntsman and you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com thanks again we'll see you guys next time stay western and i'll see you on the mountain